And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, Blues sunk on the riverside, angry, angry tweets, a West London derby preview and a quiz available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. And we are straight back to the kind of 2023 mood, I think, aren't we, after what happened in Middlesbrough on Tuesday. We'll try and provide some levity as we break down the game for you today, listener. It's me, Matt. I'm joined today by the Athletics 2 Chelsea expert, Simon Johnson, fresh from a trip to Teesside. How are you doing? Uh, I think I'm still travelling back as we speak, Matt. I hope to make it back for the weekend. <laughs> Liam Tooby's back with us too, uh, bearing the smile of a man who didn't draw the away leg to cover for the Athletic. No, I'm I'm perfectly warm and uh, situated at my house. Um, the night is darkish just before the dawn, everyone. Unless it's a false dawn, obviously. Okay, we've had a fair few of those. Uh, the Golden Globes took place earlier this week. The rights to that are owned by one Todd Bowley. In other news, the award for the most underwhelming performance in the first leg of a Carabao Cup semi-final against Championship Opposition goes to... Marlasa with a quick switch here. Jones. He's in. And he's snuck it across to Hayden Hockney! That is the way to Stoke a semi-final! If we assess the performance, I think we, overall, I think we were better side. Uh, we create more chances. We have clear chances, but we didn't score and we were not clinical. And it happened and during this season, in the after six months, I think it happened a lot. Uh, so many games and we didn't win because we were not clinical enough. Uh, we have lack of, you know, some time to to score and, and not to great chances because we are creating too many chances, but we are not scoring. And this type of game, if you don't score, it's difficult to win. Middlesbrough won Chelsea nil. Then Hayden Hackney's goal giving Borough a first leg advantage after Cole and Co kept their shooting boots at home. Simon and I were there, so you didn't have to be. Here's Simon at full time. If Chelsea play like this, second time around then they should fancy their chances because we've seen this many, many times before this season, this this weak, weak Chelsea side fluffing their lines. Even Cole Palmer. I mean, it's very cold today. We, we, you know, we talked about Cole Palmer. Well, it was actually his finishing that was put on ice at the Riverside Stadium because, but for his sloppy finishing in the first half, the story may have been different but it still feels like as Ian Matson arrived in Germany to complete his lone move to Borussia Dortmund the Levi Colwell's performance at left back 
came under the microscope yet again, that understandably the reaction to this will be one of outrage from the fan base, understandably so. But there is a second leg to come. Perhaps this is Chelsea's cunning plan to to get a, a great atmosphere going at Stamford Bridge because they'll uh, and have one of those nights at the bridge. But they'll have to play a lot better than this to turn the tie around. Did they have it in their locker to do so? I think it's really important for Pochettino that he does because going out to Middlesbrough in the EFL Cup will be an embarrassment that will stain the first season of his Chelsea reign. That was a Johnny Housen chant at the start of that clip. You could hear, by the way, it went on and on and on. Chelsea had 72% possession and 18 shots and didn't score. Uh, Liam, Jason Cundy, my friend and colleague who is a regular listener to this show, hi Jason, uh, said on TalkSport that Chelsea couldn't break down a sandcastle, which I thought was quite a nice way of putting it. That was very much the case, right? The, the metaphor works. All that possession, quite a few shots, but really, in the second half in particular, it never looked like getting the goal. Well, they lost this game the way they lost about 15 games in 2023. So we've, we've seen this movie many times before. They play pretty well at nil-nil. I thought they were. I thought they were pressing Middlesbrough into mistakes, created some golden chances, which nearly all fell to Cole Palmer to take the lead. Somehow contrived not to take those chances and give up a really sloppy goal the other way by not doing basic things. And then when presented with a low block, completely run out of ideas long before the final whistle. Other than a stupid sending off, I think it really ticked all the Chelsea bingo card boxes. And so I don't, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on the game beyond that, really. It feels like we're talking about the same things every few weeks, every time Chelsea lose a game like this. The only difference is that this came against championship opposition in a cup semi-final. And to their immeasurable relief, I'm sure, they've got one more game at home to put this right. And, you know, I've, I fully expect them to, but expectations of this Chelsea team are dangerous. Mm, yeah, a championship team who had 12 players out injured and then had another two go off during the game. Uh, we took to X, formerly known as Twitter, now known informally as X, formerly known as Twitter, to gauge the mood, it was uh, angry. Damien says, on a day that Tottenham secured Timo Werner on loan, Cole Palmer misses a hat-trick of chances. Football gods put in a shift tonight. Uh, P. George Jr. says, seen Chelsea lose this type of game so many times this season. Forest, Brentford at home, West Ham and Wolves, Everton away. How has Poch not addressed this yet or are the players the problem? Hirsch says, I would understand if there were two steps forward, one back for a new, young, inexperienced team, but this is just treading water with no improvement. There are plenty more which I'll read out as we go, but uh, let's move on to this one. Brad added, time to end the Colwell left fallback experiment should have been testing Matson there Dylan Williams could have helped second half overall no cohesive attacking plan Poch got this wrong from the start Simon your post-match piece focused on Chelsea's left back who's not really a left back uh, Damien also added about time he talked about Colwell is this the end of the experiment or did he just have a, a bad night at the office that early booking really didn't help him well first and foremost uh, the, the time the time since Liam's answer he raised about seeing the same movie i've been sitting here thinking about a, a franchise that has got many many sequels in it and what we could call chelsea's sort of like the the opposite so answers on a postcard if you come up with any better but i'm thinking 
opposite to Fast and Furious. I was, I was thinking slow and laborious. Would that would? <laughs> I like it. We need the alliteration. We need to find another S from so. I know it's sibilance, isn't it? If it's S, we need to find another S from somewhere. Oh yes, yeah. Well, I think there's one obvious S, but let's not mm. let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, get your flood the uh, account, Twitter account, X account with ideas of movie sequels that we could, uh, a movie franchise that we could call Chelsea's consistent way of losing, as Liam raised. Um, Levi, to be honest, it's, it's been on my mind for a while to ask Pochettino this question and, and, and the night just felt right because Colwell was uncomfortable right from the start. Um, it was it was his back header that led to Middlesbrough having a chance in the very first minute. And he, he just didn't seem to settle from then on. And it, it's, it's not the first time. And I've got a lot of sympathy for Levi Colwell because I think he's a really good player, but just not at left back. And he himself, as I as I researched in the piece, um, I found an interview on the club's own website, which I'd missed on, on January the 1st, where he himself says, everyone knows I'm a centre-back. Well, that is apparently everyone apart from Richie Pochettino, who, who's consistently played him at left-back. I, I went through all his games, and it's quite difficult because like the, the stats service, they, they, they sort of have him down as a centre-back in, in some games, and I'm going, mm, I'm not sure about that. My memory of being at those games, he, he operated very And I think there was an element of confusion because that was when Pochettino was sort of playing a, a three-stroke four and it depended when Chelsea were in possession or out position where Cole will play. But he was always generally on the left-hand side. But he just doesn't look comfortable there. But Pochettino's answer was, well, you know, it's, it's a good chance for him to learn. He, he, he's, he's playing and it's a good experience for him. But... I'm not sure how how it can be because, yes, of course, playing regularly is better than not playing, but this must be having a bit of an effect on, on his confidence. And when you compare him to managers where he's been on loan, albeit at a lower level, although can he say that about Brighton, he has been played as a centre-back. So it just feels like, yeah, he's paying the price. And I'm sure Liam might sort of, uh, I might team up on the volley here, that this may also be a, as a result of Thiago Silva's continued um, presence in the side. Well, that's one reason. I was going to just go through very, very quickly the reasons why Cole Will is at left-back uh, in this Pochettino team. One is that, as Simon referred to, it's a four that becomes a three when Chelsea are attacking. So Pochettino's been doing this right from the start of pre-season. One full-back goes, one full-back stays. Early on, it was Chilwell with Reese James hanging back in the US. Obviously, Chilwell hasn't been around for a while. So now it's Colwell who sits back, Malo Gusto who hairs forward. And that's been part of the reason why Malo Gusto is so involved in Chelsea's attacking play. So really, Colwell's the left of a back three when Chelsea have the ball. But he still has to defend as a left back when Chelsea are defending. Another reason why he's at left back, which I think people don't mention enough, is because Chelsea are a very small team and they need enough people who are competent in the air to defend and attack set pieces, which are a huge part of football. I know there's a whole swathe of Twitter that doesn't really want to acknowledge that set pieces are a thing and they, they just want a team of five foot seven technicians. But that isn't the way 
the top Premier League teams succeed. And you can maybe look at that as an issue with Chelsea's squad profile, that they don't have a lot of height in a lot of positions and they've actively recruited more small players. But the the biggest reason why Colwell is at left back is because who are the other options? You've got Gusto playing out of position. I think he's far more valuable on the right because he can actually go on the outside and cross. Ben Chilwell has been injured virtually the whole first half of the season and Mark Correa has either been injured or when he's been fit, he's not been reliable in that position. And he's someone else who, if you put him there, is far too small to do anything in the air and actively gets targeted by other teams. So I, th- I don't think, you know, I'd be more prepared to criticise Pochettino about Colwell left back. And I do agree with a lot of what Simon said about, you know, there is a risk to his confidence and and you can certainly debate whether it's the best thing for his development long term. But in terms of what the team needs right now, I'd be more prepared to criticise Pochettino if he was if he was putting Colwell at left back ahead of better options. And that's why I think this conversation will change as soon as Ben Chilwell is fit again. Pochettino said he was very, very close to coming back. Once he's fit again, if Pochettino goes back to what he did in the first couple of weeks of the season of having Chilwell as a left winger and Colwell left back, I think there'll be far more reason to to criticise his, his overall vision for this team. Mm. Just comes back to what I said on Monday, though. You, you're then relying on Chilwell staying fit, which is not something that we've seen for a couple of years, if we're totally honest. Um, Liam mentions Pochettino there, Simon. You and I had a chat before the game and you, you told me that there's there's no serious pressure on him. It, it came after this match from our listeners and, and certainly on social media. Elliot says, boring, boring Chelsea. We're awful to watch, admittedly slightly better than the deer that was last season but still not great. Uh, Hamas says, and I'm sorry, I always pronounce your name wrong. It's J-A-M-I-A-S. It might be Jamais, whatever it is. I apologise. You can send it me phonetically and I'll get it right next week. Uh, Can we have a serious conversation about Poch and his game management? Bizarre substitutes, playing players out of position when there are naturals on the bench or on the way out. James says, there seems to be such a mentality problem. Uh, Richard, too much play goes through the centre-halves. It feels like, Simon, that, that after the game, Really, the media's focus turned on Pochettino in a way that we haven't seen so far. I guess that's inevitable when you lose to a, an injury-depleted championship side. But are we still of the opinion that there's no even chat within the club about whether he's the right man to, to continue with this and, and that you know he can't really be judged until he's had a fit squad if that's ever going to happen? Or, or did this change anything? I mean, obviously, no one would be pleased about the result. Um, with a light-hearted anecdote, so... Post-match, The Athletic wanted me to record a little segment for the the daily briefing um, that we do. And um, I had to find somewhere quiet to do it, which was a bit difficult because Michael Carrick came in to do his post-match press conference. So I had to leave the press room. I then went out into the foyer and there were people having what looked like sort of uh, important chats. So I didn't want to disturb them. So I climbed the stairs back up towards the press box and I took a seat, you know, I wasn't really thinking where I was. And um, I then proceeded to, uh, as I was being asked questions like I am now, sort of start criticising Chelsea. And then this door opened and out came quite a few of the Chelsea hierarchy. <laughs> and mid-Chelsea rant. And uh, it was very awkward because I think they may have overheard some of what I was saying. But they they... Let's just say that 
and I, and I don't want this to come the wrong way, I didn't detect a huge amount of concern or it's not like they walked out in angry fashion off to go and have a go at Mauricio and, and the players. So I think there's probably an element of, in terms of the tie, you know, let's see what happens in the second leg, probably a bit of confidence it can turn around, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that is just a general feeling about the club that it's too early to sort of be making sort of those, having those kind of conversations. Yes, you can be sort of going all, you know, results aren't very good, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think we've got to a stage yet where they're thinking, well, have we got the right guy? I think there's also quite a bit of sympathy as you already touched on your question about the injury record and 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 so on and so forth, which I'm not sure, you know, how much does Mauricio Pochettino have to blame for that? He's only, what, five months into his reign. I don't want it to sound like I'm defending him because I think there's there's definitely some questions to answer. But then he, he will constantly argue in press conferences when, when we sort of, he will bring it up himself. He'll say, you and the fans may not understand why I'm not picking that certain player or I'm not bringing that player on. You you all sort of say, oh, why are you doing this, Pochettino, when you don't know the full story? The problem is, it's like you, you want to say to him, well, tell us the full story then <laughs> uh, beforehand and then we might know. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he gets every decision right. We've touched on the car war thing. I, I still sort of I take Liam's points on board. Obviously, that, that that is a fair point. But you know, Ian Matson he was a left back there all, all the whole time, and he never played in there. He obviously didn't rate him. He's five foot five, Ian Matson. Five foot five. Just just won that on the record. Yeah, yeah. And I <laughs> I was quite annoyed because I I had. Um, it's one of those where when you're writing in the middle of the night, you sort of think, oh, I've got to make this point. And one of those was the the um, set pieces thing. And I, and I forgot because I was really tired. <laughs> Get the violin out loose. So that is a valid point. And the scary thing is, is that Chelsea is still poor at defending set pieces, even with um, a centre-back at left-back. But I feel like I'm, uh, I've sort of danced around the houses a little bit. But it's too early Chelsea can win the second leg, go to Wembley, and who knows? It's unlikely if they face Liverpool, but who knows? They might win a trophy. So why would you right now be having a conversation about sacking the manager? And then also, what kind of message would it send if they sack another manager during a season, having sacked two last season? You're effectively saying to everyone... Whatever we say about project and process, don't believe us. I can only apologise. I did Ian Matson out of an inch. He's five foot six. I just wanted to correct <laughs> the record. Before we bombard you with... Uh... As a fellow sub six footer, I know that every little <laughs> bit of height matters. So I don't want to round down. <laughs> well, it's a Tuesday week, uh, the return leg. So plenty of time to prep for it. I mentioned all those Middlesbrough injuries. Liam, you'll have noticed that Emmanuel Latte-Lath went off early, but even without him, Chelsea were made a mockery of, weren't they? Better than Mondays or worse? I'm just going to let that sit in the air. That's what I was doing. Where's <laughs> the tumbleweed? That's usually reserved for my jokes. <laughs> I've had three days to come up with something. <laughs> and uh, that, That's all I did. Let's move on quickly. Please tell me there are no coffee-related questions in the quiz. 
We'll see. Nice tease. Uh, Chelsea absolutely rotten away from home. Five defeats in six on the road. Now, good job. The next game's at the bridge then. We'll look ahead to Fulham next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Chelsea versus Fulham in the dress rehearsal for the Carabao Cup's third, fourth place playoff on Saturday lunchtime, uh, possibly. Uh, Liam, there's a benefit here to Chelsea, isn't there, that, that Fulham have had 24 hours fewer to prepare for this game? Will that have any impact, do you think? If you talk to any coach, they'll they'll always point to that. Recovery time, preparation time is all important. It's not necessarily decisive in all cases, but I think it is an advantage for Chelsea going in. And the fact that both clubs have had trips up north and back, Chelsea went a little bit further than Fulham, but you know it's pretty negligible. I mean, Chelsea shouldn't really need a rest advantage. You know, they they, they should be able to stamp themselves on this game given the way that they were playing in the lead up to the Middlesbrough one and I think you know just to to reference the team that people questioned against Middlesbrough I think Pochettino alluded to this in his post-match comments he was picking that team with the broader schedule in mind and I think part of the reason why he didn't start Armando Breuer is because he's still so recently back from an ACL and they're they're conscious of managing his minutes and I think he will probably get the start here, I would assume. So it, he'll have some interesting selection questions from elsewhere, but you know Chelsea should go into this with the energy to to beat Fulham, and they should have no shortage of motivation either. There will certainly be plenty of expectation at Stamford Bridge that that they provide a response against their West London rivals. So if we're assuming, Simon, and I'm with Liam on that one, that Breuer probably comes back in here, does that mean that, that Gallagher goes back into midfield alongside Caicedo and, and Fernandez and, and what, are you, you dropping, I don't know, Madweke or Sterling? Neither of them played particularly well on Tuesday, did they? Yeah, um, there's also, do you bring Madrid back in? Or do I dare raise Madrid's name, given the uh, his impact or lack of it off the bench? Well, it was quite... Well, if he's going to do it, he does it in London, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I mean, the sad thing about, in some way, Mudrick is is one of those players that sums up Chelsea Football Club. Is like occasionally he'll turn it on and you get, oh, oh, this is the moment, and then, oh no, we're back to sort of running down blind alleys and straight into opponents and <laughs> watching the press box at Middlesbrough was opposite the um, where the away fans were housed, but you had this perfect view the second half because your line of sight. Was, was left to right. So you could see Mudrick get the ball in quite a few sort of one-on-one kind of positions. And then he'd either not 
not sort of take his his fall back on or he'd just sort of run into somebody and he could just sort of see this sort of quite a few thousand Chelsea fans sort of all as one, you know, doing arm gestures. <laughs> At the same time, it was almost like they were cheerleading. But what's the opposite of cheerleading? Booing? Arm gesturing. Booing? Yeah. So anyway, he might come in, but it's not like he's put much pressure on Pochettino to play him. And and you're right to flag Sterling and Madweki. Although I thought Madweki, at least he at least he took a few players on, not that he had much end product. Sterling, funny enough, another pre-match chat, wasn't it, Matt? I was going, oh, Sterling's having a reasonable season. I think I've raised it on this pod before as well. His season's much better, not that it was you know, much to compare it with last season. And then he goes and plays like that. I mean, he was he was awful. So, yeah, it, what Pochettino does, what Chelsea team turns up, I mean, who knows anymore? It feels like back to square one. But at the same time, they win, they beat Fulham. And we shouldn't forget, and this is another reason why it's a bit too early to judge Pochettino, they are now back in contention with, with lower European places in terms of qualification for Europe. Um, now, every time they do seem to bridge that gap, they then lose. So... But this is a home game. They've got to bounce back from midweek. Liam, Dylan Williams is five foot eight. Uh, he's also 20 years old. He's played for Derby's first team, albeit a while back. So he's not like a raw, unproven kid in the way that some of the prospects be. Is there any chance that he could come in to play left back and then Colwell could go back into the centre of defence and see that Axel dizazi has been getting a bit of stick this week so maybe he'd be one to drop out albeit Poch seems to really like him uh, whether he should is one question I think it's almost certain that he won't just based on the fact that Dylan Williams didn't even get on the pitch in the FA Cup third round so yeah I mean look Pochettino's made internal judgments on some of these younger players, which ones are ready to to play any minutes, which ones are are not ready at all. And, you know, you can question that when things are going wrong. But as Simon mentioned earlier, we we don't know everything that's going into those judgments when he's watching those players every day in training. So five foot eight is probably just about tall enough to maybe win a header. I mean, the, th- the thing is height is not... Height and heading ability are not directly correlated because... Nicholas Jackson is over six foot, but he's clearly never been coached to head the ball. Whereas Thiago Silva is a pretty good header of the ball, right? Exactly. And and John Terry was, what, six foot on the dot pretty much. And I, I don't think I ever saw him lose a header. So, you know, it's technique and timing are the most important things, but height does help. Sorry to bang on about heading so much. I feel, I feel like I've got a bit <laughs> of a height fixation. I don't want to come across as like the pewless of this podcast. But I think it's something that for a few years now has not actually been appreciated enough at Chelsea, not just in the fan conversation about the team, but actually within the club. I think the way they've recruited players has not had enough of an eye on the kind of physical profile you see from Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool, the top Premier League teams. And as a result, it's no coincidence to me that Chelsea getting bullied in games has become more of a pattern in the last three or four years with the makeup of the squad. Yeah, and and I totally agree. And but I th- one should flag this started in the previous regime. I mean, I, I I remember when Chelsea were at their pomp. You know, you'd look out on the pitch, and they would they were not only better players than their opponents. They they also 
seem to stand over them. They, they seem to overpower them as well. And then Chelsea started signing players like, um, just off the top of my head, they, they sort of went down in different directions. So Mata, Oscar, Hazard, obviously not bad players, particularly uh, Mata and Hazard, start to generate an Oscar debate. Um, and then, you know, Avicic, Shimifu, et cetera, et cetera, Jorginho, I could go on. And suddenly, suddenly you'd look out on the pitch and teams like Tottenham and Arsenal, who you would traditionally sort of see would look like boys against men against Chelsea, suddenly it flipped. And what is worrying about the current group is they also don't seem to have much of the, I don't want to sound, shall we name another old, you've mentioned Poolish, shall I I mention Sam Allardyce? I'm trying to think of someone that loves, you know, the, the aggressive, you know, sort of, could go Sean Dyche if we want to stay modern. Sean Dyche, yeah, 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 exactly. But they 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 don't look like they've got much bottle about them, much sort of character about them. So they can be easily bullied. And I think one of the biggest problems Chelsea have to have to overcome now is that every team feels they've got a chance against them. I just think psychologically, teams going to matches, going, you know what. We can do this lot. We can put a few challenges in, score from a set piece or whatever. We, we can win today, and, and I do think that is a that is a significant difference between this Chelsea and and previous Chelseas is that a lot of it's played in the head, and and vice versa. I I wonder how many of those Chelsea players actually go into games believing they can win because they certainly don't play with that mentality enough. Let's finish on a positive, Liam, because <laughs> there there is form here that would suggest that Chelsea are the favourites to win this game and and by that I'm looking at the fact that they haven't lost at Stamford Bridge since October and I've just looked at Fulham's away record this season they've won twice once was at Everton on opening day and the other was at Ipswich in the League Cup and they've lost five of their last six matches on the road I'm I'm sure they're not feeling too downbeat about the results at Anfield in the first leg of, of their League Cup semi-final uh, but given the way that the two teams are performing at home and on the road respectively there's no reason to think that Chelsea can't win this game no I mean you do have to price in the inevitable Willian goal but once you do that you know Chelsea could potentially edge it I think so much depends as it has done for most of the past year on who scores first because Chelsea have conceded the first goal so many times I think it was more than 20 times in the Premier League last calendar year. And we've already seen, you know, that breaking down a low block against the team that has something to defend, has a lead to defend, is Chelsea's biggest weakness. So if Fulham score first, I would back them to win or at least get something from the game. But if Chelsea get the first goal, I think they're they're in a strong position to go on and win maybe quite convincingly. But that first goal is is critical because in so many of the games where it's gone wrong for Chelsea, they just miss chances and then find a way to concede and it all goes badly from there. It's a Saturday 12.30 kickoff UK time. It is Chelsea's final game before their mini winter break. They'll have 10 days off after that fixture. We'll tell you how they got on on Monday's show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. 
Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team return from their winter break this weekend when they host West Ham in the FA Cup. That's on Sunday. On Wednesday, the club announced the signing of Swedish defender Natalie Bjorn from Everton. She played for Sweden at the World Cup last year alongside Johanna Ritten-Kanarud and Zachira Musevic. She's a centre-half, can operate in midfield too. She signed a three-and-a-half-year deal. The men's under-21s were held one all by Valencia in the Premier League International Cup at Kings Meadow on Tuesday. Jimmy J. Morgan got the Chelsea goal. They're at home to Man United in PL2 on Friday night, but they'll be without keeper Eddie Beach. The Wales under-21 international has joined Gateshead on loan for the rest of the season, which kind of follows the pattern for Chelsea keepers who've been going out to non-league at a young age. Uh, no game for the under-18s this weekend. They're next in action Thursday of next week. They go to Everton in the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup. All right, first quiz of 2024 comes next. All right, listen, I'm sure some of you are hoping uh, that this feature would be left behind in 2023. I know Liam certainly was. Uh, let's see if his form turns around in this, the first quiz of the new year. You're up first, Liam. It's all Chelsea v Fulham adjacent this. Uh, who registered his only assist so far this season in the reverse meeting? Furrow of the brow. It's another occasion where I'm trying to remember a game that's happened <laughs> in the recent past. I feel like Simon was reporting on this one, so there's some mitigation for you there. Well, I, I definitely, I mean, I watch every game, <laughs> <laughs> even if I'm not there. Uh, and you log in a, a record of who makes the assist clearly, in every game. Yeah, in my photographic memory. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Levi Colwell. Absolutely right. Man, we've been talking about on today's pod. You're off and running. Simon, what was the score when Chelsea hosted Fulham in the Premier League last season? It was in February. Another brow being furrowed. Nil nil. Absolutely correct. <laughs> yep, well done. I sort of went, I sort of went, I can't remember, so. <laughs> Go with the the, the uh, yeah. Chelsea were crap. Nil nil. Yeah. Very good. One one after one each. Uh, it's just occurring to Lucy by the looks of things that she might have to put a tie break in. Yeah, she's researching it now. Uh, Liam, question number two: Which former Denmark international moved from Chelsea to Fulham in January two thousand? Would that have been Bjarni Goldbeck? It certainly would. And I've got that pegged as the hardest question of the quiz. So maybe you really have turned your form around. Yeah, but that's my era of Chelsea that I. <laughs> that, that, that's the one thing I do remember. 
Uh, Simon, whose only goal in 249 Premier League appearances for Chelsea came in the 2-0 win against Fulham at the Bridge in 2013? His only goal to Chelsea in the Premier in the League. Premier League 2013. Mm. 213 appearances. 249 Premier League appearances, one goal. It came in 2013. Mikel? That is correct, yeah. it was that. I think it was that same season he scored away to Derby in the FA Cup and it was quite close by. All right, so we're two for two, which tells me that I didn't make the quiz difficult enough. Liam, your final question of regulation time. How many goals have Fulham scored on their last six visits to Stamford Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> and you thought Goldbeck was the hardest question. I was going to say, <laughs> Liv, how many, how many times have you jotted down how many goals have yeah. scored? Let me just consult my mental spreadsheet. Uh, if we if we were naming this quiz in retrospect, we could have called it going for Goldbeck this week, couldn't we? Which is a bit of a shame, but it would have given away. And, and then done a cheesy tune. <laughs> in Danish. For, for the old Last game six show. visits. I'm, I'm giving Liam time to think. Well, I mean, it's going to be a guess regardless, isn't it? I, yeah. I'm going to say three goals. Simon, do you want to pinch it? Oh, yeah. Um, two goals. The answer was one goal. It's all they've scored in their last six Oh, Liam, minutes. right. I think, I think we should just resign. How did we not get that? Yeah, go on. Last question. The next question is who scored that goal? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not the next question is one of those that might be a bit easy but only if you know it uh, which I guess applies to every question that's ever been asked in the world here it is Simon Damien Duff one of many players who've represented both Chelsea and Fulham he scored the winner for the Blues at the bridge against the Whites in 2004 which club is he currently the oh, manager of I know it's a club in Ireland but I, I can't remember Toomey's eyes lit up there because I think he knows it. Head went straight up, having been uh, dropped down metaphorically and literally. Well, no, because I thought I, I thought a name popped into my head, and now I'm doubting myself about whether it's the right one or not. <laughs> Always go with the instinct. It's still you, Simon. You're first up. You get this. You win. No, no, I, I've already. There's no point. Wait, I'm not going to waste people's time. I, I, I just know it's a club in Ireland, and I can't remember it. Well, if you get this, Liam, you steal the win. Is it Shamrock Rovers? Mm, it's the other one that begins with SH, I'm afraid. Shelbourne right. is who he is manager of. It means we do go to a tie break. Do I get a point for not wasting anybody's time, you know, and sort of drawing out the episode a bit long? No, actually, I should have points taken away the amount of times I ramble on. We'll just call it uh, that you've negated that by um, by not answering the question. Uh, the tiebreaker is... Um, it's not what I was expecting it to be. I've, I've got to be frank. Um, no, thank you, Lucy, for this. It's one of these stupid number things, isn't it? It's going to be nearest yeah. wins. How much is the cost of a hot drink, brackets, coffee, not an Emmanuel Latte laugh, in the West Stand Lower Concourse, which is open for up to 90 minutes post-match on weekends? There's a little bit Yeah, of, you should uh, be laughing and hiding your face, Lucy. <laughs> disgraceful question. Is this tiebreaker question submitted by Oliver Senior? <laughs> <laughs> Lucy's on the take. She gets 10% Conducted market research in the West End. <laughs> what is going on here, honestly? So, price of a hot drink. 
Yes. In the West End Lower Concourse. Uh, And what you can both do, actually, you can both WhatsApp me. That's what I've been doing. It's trying to find you on WhatsApp, first and foremost. Don't even think of me answering. Preferably Uh, not on the podcast group. (laughs) I'm waiting like you, listener, to receive. Okay, I have the first one. This this will show how out of date. Well, perhaps I'll speak for myself. I was going to continue the uh, late 90s, early 2000s Chelsea Scandinavian theme and just blindly submit an answer of yes, ho. (laughs) Come on, Simon, hurry up. Uh, Okay. Well, I mean, I know they put the prices up, but you're both miles off. Simon, you're going to get the win this week. You guess £4. Liam guessed four pound fifty. For, I know it's London, but for a cup of coffee at a football, <laughs> it's Chelsea. It's... One pound fifty. Oh, really? And Chelsea yeah. fans are moaning about prices. God. <laughs> in the West Stand. That's yeah, where the corporate is. I'm assuming are. this is probably Nescafe rather than artisanal barista poured coffee. But yeah, Simon, you've won. Oh, um, oh, oh yeah. There's more. Yeah, go on. There's more. There is an early bird offer available with a pint, pie, or hot dog for only £3.50 and a soft drink for only £1.50. Just ask at the kiosk on arrival. The early bird offer runs for the first 30 minutes after the doors open. Uh, And the person who invented copy and paste rests happily in their grave because Lucy's just done that clearly. Uh, Simon, will you be celebrating with a coffee? £1.50 or more expensive? I can think of a worse drink to celebrate with. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a coffee man. No, I will... Um, I, I'm doing dry Jan... Well, I'm kind of doing dry January. I'm having to do post-January the 2nd January uh, dry January, if that makes sense. Because uh, I vow to do this every year. And this year is no different because I'm a very unhealthy man for most of the year, but I think, you know, give my body some relief. Anyway, unfortunately, I was invited to the darts, the World Darts at Alexandra Palace on January the 2nd. He can't go to the darts and not enjoy the festivities. So, so yeah, so I'm on water at the moment and juice. So, anyway, that's a really boring answer again. Sorry. <laughs> As someone who has a January birthday, I just reconcile myself with having a wet year every year. Nice. Very good. Uh, there's loads of great Chelsea content up on The Athletic. Now you can read our friend Jesse's piece on what Chelsea should do to replace Sam Kerr. We mentioned Simon's bit on Levi Cole as well. That's well worth your time. Uh, plenty of other great stuff up there too. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber, while you're helping us out, leave us a nice review on iTunes, Spotify, etc. or helps us. Keep the pod going and let other Chelsea supporters find us too. We'll be back on Monday when we'll break down the Fulham game. Until then, thanks to Simon, to Liam and to Lucy and to you for joining us as well. Speak to you soon. Bye for now. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.